but you do get a lot of capital, Brent, from Colombia, mm-hmm. uh, Argentina, all of Europe, some of Brazil. And you got big 1031 buyers coming in looking to park that cash, which obviously, you know, drives prices up. It's super competitive market. But just like with any other market that's competitive, Brent, there's opportunity. Sure. That's why it is competitive. You know, there's liquidity and you need liquidity to make money in wholesaling. So I think being in a, in a competitive market is, is always a good idea, in my opinion. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I am your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, Mr. Talk to People. And I am excited to bring on from Miami, Florida, Robin Perez. Robin, say hello to the Rhino tribe. What's going on, everybody? Pleasure to be here. This is exciting. We're going to break down your business in one of the most competitive markets in the country. Let's not be mistaken here. Miami is one of those markets that you either know it or you don't. And it takes a while. It really takes some time to really build up a reputation, build up referrals, build up the ability to to really communicate effectively with the cash buyers, find actual cash buyers. I mean, it's very similar to uh, a Seattle. It's very similar to a Orange County. It's very similar to a New York. You know, some of these major, major, major markets where they have some of the most established real estate developers and flippers and investors that have been generational in those areas. So the fact that you jumped into this in 2020 and have built up your business and have essentially been going full time since you got into this business in early 2020. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your market. Tell us what's kind of unique about Miami and it'll kind of give us a really good view of some of these other major markets as well. Sure. Um, Unique. I mean, I would say Miami has an influx of international capital. Obviously, a lot of, you know, domestic buyers are buying your local fix and flips and even multifamily. But you do get a lot of capital, Brent, from Colombia, Argentina, all of Europe, some of Brazil. And you got big 1031 buyers coming in looking to park that cash which obviously, you know, drives prices up. It's super competitive market. But just like with any other market that's competitive, Brent, there's opportunity. Sure. It is competitive. You know, there's liquidity and you need liquidity to make money in wholesaling. So I think being in a a competitive market is, is always a good idea, in my opinion. I love it. And t- tell us about your business. Is is it just you? Do you have a ton of people that make calls for you? Do you have a ton of acquisition managers? Do you have a disposition manager? Do you have a lot of people working for your company? Like break that down. <laughs> really easy breakdown, Brent. It's just me for the most part. I, I've had a couple of JV partners here and there. Uh, I used to have a partner when I first started and you know that that sort of like ended. It's just me for now. I mean, it's always been mainly me and I'm getting better at trying to build a team. That's kind of like where one of my struggles are at is what I was telling you earlier is I have a little bit of trouble letting go of like even the most minor tasks, but 
I definitely I'm looking forward to building a team for sure. But yeah, for now it's just me. It's always basically been me. I I make the calls, I close the deals, I you know I find the buyers or I get some help to find buyers. But yeah, it's just me. Let me ask you. So you like having control over all of these the the processes? And on this podcast, on this YouTube channel, we've talked about the 17 different steps to uh, a wholesale transaction. But are there any parts, Robin, that you don't like? That you're like, you know what? I don't like this the most. I want to hire somebody to do this as soon as possible. For sure, for sure. I mean, right off the bat, I wasn't cheap about paying a good TC. I mean, transaction coordinating, I cannot ever, I cannot stand doing that. I mean, it gives me a headache. It stresses me out, you know, following up on emails with title companies and all that stuff. I mean, I like being on the field. I like talking with agents. I mm-hmm. like talking with buyers. I like talking to people. And if it, if it has to do with emails and being in front of a screen for too long, I just like, oh, come on, like, let's get this over with. So for sure, TC. And then... I would say I've done dispo for most of my deals, but I would say I would rather be talking with agents generating deal flow. Got it. I love that. And I love that you mentioned transaction coordination. And for anybody that's really brand new to this, and maybe you haven't done your first deal, or maybe you did, but you JV'd with somebody that already kind of knew the grooves of the transaction. What happens when you get a signed contract, you have to turn that into a title company or closing attorney. And then you have to make sure that they're staying on top of the seller, getting all their information so that they can effectively transfer the title from that property owner to to the seller, to the actual end buyer, the cash buyer. And sometimes that gets a little bit tricky and you got to help out with that process. And that slows you down from the hunting part of this business, which Robin and I, you know, that's, that's the most exciting part of it is going after these opportunities and getting these opportunities. And when you have to kind of slow down and make sure that you babysit your transactions to get it through the the finish line, uh, it can be frustrating. So I completely understand. I'm exactly the same as that. So, but you're doing it all right now. Why not, why not have somebody that does the transaction coordination? So yeah, I've definitely been hiring TCs or even like now that I'm doing deals with agents, Brent, the agents are kind of like the TC. I love it. Um, yeah. So I really appreciate agents that do that. And they even tack on their, their TC fee, TC fee on the, on the HUD. I'm completely okay with that. Yep. So yeah, no, I've been hiring out TC for sure. TC is, it's just one of those things, like I said, I just cannot, I don't have the, like the patience for it. It's completely gets me out of my flow. And yeah. like, it's just one of those things, you know how it is when you're doing something you don't want to do it, like demotivates you. And I, I cannot afford that. So I just, I'm just like, Hey, you know what? I'll pay 500. I'll pay even a thousand per transaction. If you can just like make sure everything is squared away and I don't have to open up my inbox and respond to stupid emails, you know? So yeah, for sure. I've been hiring out TC for sure. I mean, I think the next step for me is to hire out administrational stuff, like keeping my CRM organized organizing my agent list and buyers list. My stuff is a mess right now. <laughs> what else? Sending out text campaigns to to buyers when I'm shooting out the property details, mm-hmm. email campaign, stuff like that I've noticed is taking up a lot of my time and it's very mechanical stuff, kind of like no brainer stuff. So that's, that's the next goal right there is, is to outsource those tasks for sure. I love it. You know, I, I was listening, Robin, to a Brad Lee podcast with one of my friends, Carlos Reyes, and he was talking about how we all have 24 hours in a day. 
but he doesn't. He has way more than that because he has like 100 employees and they all work eight hours a day. So now he's got uh, 800 extra hours that he has to leverage on building his business. And I think that that's so smart to find people that that it's their natural skill and they're very good at, you know, being able to to handle the transactions and to do the little, you know, details and to follow up and make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And I think, you know, once you get into it, you start closing some deals. I think the transaction coordinator is an absolute first that you get into your business because they're going to take a lot off your plate. If you can focus on just going out there and keeping that pipeline of opportunities, the pipeline of leads fresh and uh, and staying in front of them, uh, it'll one, I think it, just like you were saying, keep your energy really high, but two, you're going to do way more deals way more deals because if you look at what you make when you're on the phone talking to a distressed property owner versus what you make shuffling papers it's not even close <laughs> it's not even close right you're so right man honestly you, you hit it on you hit it on the on the nail right there for so sure. you you were a bartender and then covid right and then you jumped into this full time how did you find i mean why real estate investing let me take you back to 2019 okay I had ran into uh, Max Maxwell. Yeah, and um, I started learning about wholesaling. And at that time, I had tried a couple of things. I had dropped out of college in 2017, even though I was a great uh, student my whole life. But something I, I joined an MLM company, a multi-level marketing uh, company, and I um, something a- after that experience like switched inside of me, Brent. Mm-hmm. And I just something inside me just told me like, I don't want to get a job after college and I don't want to work like a W2 my whole life. And I didn't know what I was going to do yet, obviously, but I knew what I didn't want. Right. So then I started Forex trading. That was kind of like, I guess if you would, my first business, now that I think about it, I sucked at that. Let's be honest. I loved it, but I sucked at it. Sure. And then uh, that was fast forward back to 2019. I was kind of like in like limbo, right? I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Classic 20 year old stuff, right? I bought a book from Dean Graziosi called Millionaire Habits, I want to say. Yep. And he's a phenomenal marketer. I mean, I know, I'm sure you know that guy. And um, at the end of the book, he has a little pamphlet that talks about real estate wholesale. So I, I went on the website, I bought his course, it was like 500 bucks. And that's when I first started getting into wholesaling, ran into Max Maxwell, 2019 in January. I went driving for dollars. I love it. <laughs> Hold on. I went driving for dollars, got the properties on deal machine, and I never called them. Oh. My discipline was just all the way down there. And I just, I wasn't ready to, to be a wholesaler. Fast forward to 2020, comes January, February time. I'm like, man, like I really want to get into wholesaling. Um, I had already been on bigger pockets and I ran into you. And Brent, your gift is your energy. You have spectacular energy, my man. Like you have like just something infectious. You want to like, I mean, that's why your animal spirit, if you would, is the rhino. That's right? it. You that's got it, it dude. You know it. <laughs> dude, and, dude, and I love feeding off people's energy. I freaking love that. So I, I, you know, buy your course around March 2020. And then I told you I got fired from my job because like I just hated it. I was tired of it. I mean, it was like good, like short-term money. Like I said, saved up some, some money. I saved up around like $20,000. When I got fired and the pandemic hit, I took it as a sign from God. And I'm like, let's just go full in on this. Like no messing around, you know, no driving for dollars and then not calling them back. You know, none of that anymore. Let's pound the phones and 
let's make something happen. Let's cause some chaos. Let's cause some problems. And so that's what I did. And it took me eight months to get my first deal. And even then, when I closed my first deal, I think I made like $2,000. And I obviously knew I wasn't making money, but I knew what I was doing was the right thing. It just, I just knew it. I knew it was something that I just had to like fix a couple things here and there, surround myself with the right people and just get up every single day and get better at what I'm doing. And so that's what kept me going. I really wasn't profitable to like my first, like, I want to say 18 months. Yeah. I mean, I just, but I just knew it. I just knew it. Like I was on the right path, man. I just, I, I just didn't give up. I mean, how, I did, you, how did you know? I mean, that is a long time. I mean, psychologically, they say, you know, it takes like six weeks to develop a, a habit if you're really, really consistent at it. And you were really consistent at not making money for a long time. <laughs> and you still stayed. I, I mean, it still stayed in there. You still had that, that big part of your brain that was saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep pushing. I know it's going to eventually start turning around. It's inevitable. Like, how do you develop that? Is that something from like how you grew up? Is that something that you just developed? And this is just you becoming a more evolved business person. Like, how does this happen? Yeah, I mean, it could it could be that latter part for sure, kind of just like a maturing process, and you kind of get to a point where like, all right, like it's, let's buckle down, dude, and let's make something of yourself here. But it also was the fact that I was having fun doing it, Brent. Yeah, I was having fun getting on the phones. What I love the most about real estate has nothing to do with houses. It's actually the people that I meet. That is what the, I love the most about real estate, and just the fact that I got to talk to people like yourself, people that are successful, people that have become the best or better version of themselves just to see that just to see that that's possible Mm -hmm. is inspiring for me and so that's also one of the things that definitely kept me going if i can give some advice to someone that's struggling right now is go talk to people that are successful just go listen to them be around their energy listen to what they have to say tell them what you're struggling with and then go back to the drawing board and, and adjust that's all it's just it's that simple man that's kind of what kept me going and then Another inspiration is obviously my parents. My parents, you know, are, are immigrants. I'm an immigrant myself. And um, they escaped the communist country. I'm sure you're obviously familiar with Cuba. And they get up every single day at like 530 in the morning. They're both school teachers. And they never complain. Like, I've never seen my parents take a day off for, to like just to like relax or, or take some rest. I've never seen that ever. And they see providing for their family as like, you know, that's just obviously priority number one. That's a given. I'm going to assume that, you know, it's just so... That consistency, that persistency definitely translated over to me. And then one of my whys in, in your program, you talk about, you know, going through your, your levels of why. Yep. Was that, you know, my parents sacrificed a lot leaving their home country, their friends, their culture, their family, so that I could have a better life. You know, it would be extremely selfish if I didn't take advantage of that. Sure. So that's another driver for sure. I love it. So during this, that 18 months, were you consistently like being proactive in your business or was it something that you were like, okay, I'm kind of stuck in the education loop and a little bit of paralysis by analysis or were you going, you were just going, going, going and the opportunity didn't start rolling until you really built it up because this is what happens. And Robin, I'm telling you, 
if I have interviewed anybody else in Miami, I don't remember it. I think you're the first person that is succeeding in Miami that I have talked to. And, and most people can't survive that six, 12 months of really building the relationships because we're going to deep dive and really peel back how you're successful in this business going directly to the real estate agents, which I think is absolutely brilliant in what you do. And so I want to highlight that and really like give everybody the secrets on sure. how to do that. But was it consistent? Was it not consistent? Like what, why did it take 18 months? So I did have my analysis paralysis phase. I was between 19 and 20 on 2019, 2020, just because I was indecisive about what I exactly what I wanted to do in real estate. I was considering doing rental properties and obviously I didn't have any money. So I thought, man, maybe that's not a good start. And then, but it took me 18 months. So when I, when I first started wholesaling, it was consistent action. I did not mess around. I did not like take a week off and watch some podcasts on how to do that. No, it was like, Okay, uh, I got to, you know, this is the script. This is the TTP script. Okay, let's let's slam the dialer. Okay, I just got to buy Mojo. I got to get this uh, seller list. Okay, let's call. That's it. And then it took me a while because Brent, man, that's a good question, man. That's a good question. I would say when I first started, I started in Miami. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend starting out completely on your own. I'm kind of the type where I'm like, okay, I, I, I got the knowledge. I'm, I know I can do it on my own. Yep. And that can be a disadvantage sometimes sure. because, you know, you're not really sure what you're up against. And, and uh, you got to realize that when you start cold calling as a brand new person, you're up against the top wholesaling companies in the nation. Yep. They have better buyers than you. They have better follow-up systems than you. They have better closers than you. And so that's a reality. I'm not saying don't get into a competitive market, but try to work with someone that has the experience that is crushing it there so you can shorten the learning curve. And that's what I didn't do. I didn't do that. And then started bouncing around different markets. So I went up to like Central Florida. Yep. Um, got my first couple deals there. And then that was via, okay, so that, I started cold calling direct to seller. And then I kind of switched my model model around. I started trying to help people sell their deals. I switched to Dispo. And then I started doing PPC. So I think <laughs> one of the things that, you know, um, messed me up was, I guess, like, go for the low hanging fruit, if you would. I switched my strategies too much. I switched my markets too much, which I would really love to get into. We have enough time. And I was switching too many things around. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is switching up your market yeah. too many times because you think there's not enough deals in that market. And so you go and look for the lowest hanging fruit. That is a humongous mistake, in my opinion. Yep. And I looked at the biggest wholesalers like yourself, like Jamil, like, uh, like Pace, like Max, and you guys have one dominant market. Mm -hmm. Right. You dominate uh, Phoenix, correct? Yep. Max dominates what? North Carolina? Yep. All right. Jamil dominates uh, Phoenix. Well, he started in Phoenix. Pace dominates Phoenix. So you got to play the long-term game, deepen those relationships, yep. get to know the title companies, get to know the buyers, get to know the subdivisions, get to know what the buyers are doing with those properties so you know exactly how much they're going to spend on that property so you know where to lock up your properties. And get to know the wholesalers in that market. Build your brand in that market. Play the long-term game. And those efforts will compound on itself. Yeah, it, it's amazing, Robin. And by the way, I'm telling you, when I go to, when I speak at meetups or 
at events or whatever it is, and I go and I'm, I'm meeting everybody and we're having conversations, what I ask is, how's business? And people, I would tell you nine times out of 10, people are like, well, I just switched to this market or now, you know, I was doing this, but I, I was making calls, but now I wanted to see if texting worked or I was using texting and texting isn't working anymore. So now I'm doing pay-per-click and all these things. And I'm telling you, this is very, very, very common that, you know, if you don't have like a foundation, if you don't have a, a laid out map and a plan and people around you that are going to keep you accountable to it, it's very easy to kind of go all over the place and, and see one Instagram post or one podcast or what, you know, one YouTube video that you're like, Oh my gosh, that's the secret key. That's the silver bullet. That's oh, the thing that should be point. right. And so I couldn't, agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more on that. My 2022 motto for everybody that I talk to is just focus, focus on one market, one marketing channel. And if it's your first 12 months in real estate, 100% focus on wholesaling real estate, finding discounted property, right? Because if you're trying to add to your rental portfolio and you're trying to do a flip and you're trying to lend money and you're trying to do wholesale, it's just not going to happen. The first 12 months is about focusing on one market, one marketing channel and one exit strategy, which is assigning those deals. And you stay focused on that. You can't lose. It's just a yeah. numbers game at that point. The issue is when you start over and you start moving around, you're just on different paths and they're not leading to, to the top of the mountain. It's not leading to where you want. It's not leading to the, the financial outcome that you're wanting. It's all over the place. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that you just broke it down that way and you were just so honest about it because people really need to understand that it's common. And if you just focus, you're going to be there a lot faster uh, with a lot less uh, headache for sure. So, uh, by the by, by the way, real quick, Robin has closed 15 deals. We're about to talk about a big mega deal. Let's get into your strategy that you've really fallen into, which is agent outreach. He's reaching out to real estate agents, and I'm going to let you take it from there. Let us know: Are you getting these properties off market? Are you making offers to properties that are on market? Tell us what your your best strategy is in Miami in 2022. Yeah, so. I just started doing agent outreach, honestly, not too long ago, Brent. I had first started when I started when I first started wholesaling, and then I got away from it. Yep. Right? I was again the switching up thing, and then I was doing the PPC, and then I, I thought, you know, this this isn't it. I, I don't like this. Went back to agent outreach starting, I think, May of this year, and then I started with the old agent list that I had built up from Miami a couple years ago. One of the guys. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to get into the deal yet because we're not that sorry. Uh, so what's been working is a little bit of both on-market offers, sending on-market offers, and then calling um, agents from like a nationwide realtor list. So I'm also in sub two. And so I have like a big like nationwide realtor list. Been calling that. And then I'm just very like, I smile over the phone. And I think that translates. Sure. And so obviously something I learned from you. And I think agents like me, but... Here's the secret sauce, the follow-up. Mm -hmm. You can call all day long brand new agents and tell them, hey, I'm a local cash buyer. I'm looking for this and this and this. I got $5 million in cash. Can you send me what you got? Great. You're going to get some deals like that. You're going to get some leads like that. But the second time around you call that list, that's when the deals are going to come in mm -hmm. for real. Mm -hmm. Because people are even brokers who have been in, in the game for much longer 
and they know they have the investor list, they have the network to sell deals, they appreciate the follow-up big time. Well, they want a relationship with you, Rob, and they want to trust you. They want to know when you say, when they send you opportunities, you're going to, one, communicate very quickly, and two, if you commit to the deal, that deal closes. You yeah. do those two things, and you just keep, the, you keep building relationships. Uh, the numbers are you can typically get four deals a year from one referral partner that is out there. They understand the market. They understand the opportunities. You become their guy or gal in the market that they're going to send the opportunities to. So just imagine you get 30 people. Let's say it takes you five years to get 30 people that refer you four deals a year. That's 120 deals with zero marketing budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But that doesn't happen, Robin, unless you're picking up the phone and calling them. That doesn't happen yeah. unless you're yeah. following up with them. That doesn't happen unless you're building a relationship. And that doesn't happen if you don't over-communicate and, you, and quickly communicate yeah. and if you can't get deals closed. Yeah, so for sure. I mean, uh, what's been working is just a little mixture of both, just calling like agents randomly whether they have a listing or not, and then calling on market listings, you know, stuff that looks like it might need a cash offer. Yeah. That's just those two for the most part. I mean, because you obviously the, the advantage of, of calling on market is you're, you know, you're direct to the agent, right? They have, they have the property to sell. You don't have to, you know, do too much qualifying. Obviously you still want to qualify a little bit, but, and then the other one is working with a buyer's agent. That's a hustler that they'll call other agents and other brokers and saying, Hey, what do you got? I got an amazing cash buyer over here. He's looking to pick up anything. And they bring you off market deals like that. How do you find agents like that? Picking up the phones, baby. Just it, picking up the just, phone. It's just a numbers game. It's just picking up the phones. Yeah. I mean, you know this as well as I do, Brent, um, there's more buyers agent than there are listing agents, yes. right? In this market, yes. you know, so most agents don't have a listing, but they work with investors and, you know, you might think, well, you know, they work with investors. They have higher paying guys. No, like it could be that their investors are out of town. One investor picked up another property. He's busy. He can't do the deal right now. Maybe it doesn't work for the other guy. Maybe for whatever reason, those investors that they have already, it doesn't work for them. And yeah. guess what? You're the one that's been following up. You've been super genuine. You tell them, hey, I'm looking to, I'm looking to pay you your commission. I'm looking to do deals with you. I'm not represented. Bring me deals. I can take these down. You know, you're following up, you're staying in front of them, and they they love to see that. They love to see that because a lot of buyers, they're on vacation right now. They're sitting on the sidelines. The market is, I don't know what's going on. You know, F that. You know, I'm here. Let's go. Bring me your deals. Let's get to work. They are going to flood you with deals, and you don't even have to, you don't have to have a huge, like, thousand Asian army. Nope. You know that? It's just got to be, like, three or four, and you'll be super busy, I promise you. Yeah. I love it. Let's break down a deal, Robin. Let's break down that big deal of yours, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. yeah. So again, going back to the follow-up, I, I had this guy on my old old agent list, uh, Brent from Miami. I'm doing. I'm starting off. I'm starting off right. Starting off my agent outreach again. It's around May, and I call him. His name's Michael. <laughs> Michael, what's going on, man? I'm a local investor. I'm looking for deals. You know the whole spiel, bro. I'm busy right now. I, you know, I call me back on Monday. It was Friday, I think. Call him back on Monday. Mm -hmm. Michael, what's going on, man? You told me you had some off-market deals. You know, what can we do? Bro, I'm super busy. I'm super busy, bro. Call me back in two hours. I call him for a third time, Brent. He's like, hey, man, you know, I appreciate you calling me back. I'm going to send you right now what I got. So he sends me two off-market deals, two off-market leads. 
both multifamily, both like four units. And so whatever, I make an offer on both of them. One of them doesn't work out. The other one is, is the one that we're going to talk about. So I make the off. I, I underwrite the, the property. I even shoot it out to one of my one of my buddies. His name is Daniel Pombo. Shout out to him. He's uh, been amazing. He told me, "Hey, lock it up at five. I think he said five forty, five forty k." And the sellers were asking six eighty nine k. Write that down, Brent. Six eighty nine k. I put in the offer at five forty. You might be thinking, "Gosh, that's aggressive, Robin." Well, damn right. Yeah, it is. And then. They came down immediately to 600. Now, if someone's new in, in the game, if someone comes down 90K on their price right away, they are motivated, folks. They are motivated. I don't care who they are. And so, how was it that we got to that price? I, get, think, I, I think I just stood my ground. I stood my ground and I told Michael, Michael, like, we got to be at 540, man. We just got to be at 540. And then, we lock it up at 540. I think they, they came down again. I think it was 560. I'm sorry. 560 I offered. And so I offered 540 and then they came down to 560. And then I talked to my guy, Daniel. He's like, okay, 560 is fine. You can still sell it at like, you know, 580. So I was like, all right, great. I'm going to make 20K on this. So we lock it up for 560. So <laughs> here comes the best part. <laughs> so I go and I send it out to my cash buyers, right? And so I send it to a couple of wholesalers that I know in the area. And so I locked it up for like a uh, 15K deposit, 15 day inspection. Uh, and then we go and do the, uh, the walkthrough. And so the day of the walkthrough, I wasn't able to be there. I, was actually, I had to be out of town. I was in California with family. And so the, one of my buddy's cash buyers went to, went to the property. I think I only had like three guys there. And one of them was a cash buyer, two of them wholesalers. I couldn't like get too much traction. I was out of town. I was busy. And so my buddy calls me back, the one that told me to lock it up at 540, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, like, you know, the, the seller told you that two of the units are two bedroom. That's BS. They're all one bedroom and they're in terrible shape. Like, this is like, this is not, we cannot sell this at this price. And I go, damn. All right. Well, you know, we're within our inspection period, right? I'm all cool. Right. I call back my buyer's agent. Oh, so keep in mind, my buyer's agent brought me this off market from another listing agent. This wasn't even direct to the to the seller's agent. So I go back, Michael, man, like the inspection went horribly. Like, you know, the unit mix is not right. That obviously affects the cap rate, the total ARV. You know, the, the, the units are in terrible shape. We need to be at like 450, bro. We need to be at 450, which is a steep price drop, right? That's like 120K. Yeah. I got it at 60. Keep it in mind. When I tell my buyer's agent that 30 minutes later, my buddy calls me up and he's like, my buyer is at 595 and I'm going to make a 15K wholesale fee. When I first heard that, I'm like, Robin, like, don't get excited right now. Act like it's like, ah, like 15K. So I told him like, hey, man, like that's going to be tough. Like, do you think, I mean, I was asking 580. So they're offering me 575, by the way. And so I was like, man, I got to take 5K off my assignment fee. Like, you know. I'll do it, but man, like they got to put in the deposit today. You know, I'm out of town. I don't want to be dealing with this back and forth stuff. They put the deposit in the next day mm-hmm. at around like, I don't know, sometime in the morning, my my closing attorney called me. He's like, hey, the deposit from the buyer's in. Like an hour or two later, Brent, my buyer's agent calls me. He's like, you're going to love me. You wanted your 450K price reduction, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. I got you 440. So, and he goes... 
And he goes, well, we're going to be hard now. We have to be hard now. Like we, you know, the pause is going to have to go hard. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, of course, like I have a buyer at 580 and, um, you know, redid the, the, you know, the addendum, whatever. Yep. So a tiny little pickle at the end, right before the, the deal was about to close, the buyer wanted to inspect it one more time. And, um, the actual inspector comes in and she's like acting all like, Oh my God, the unit mixes off. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I thought you were here the first day. And she's like, no, but like, what's it called? There was too many people that first time I couldn't really get to see the units. And I'm like, you know, you have a, your deposit is hard. You know, that's not really an excuse to, you know, what's it called to, to bail on the deal. You're going to lose your deposit. I didn't want to be a complete asshole. So I ended up giving her a 5k reduction and sorry, sorry, I'm not allowed to curse. So I gave her a 5k reduction, paid the, the 12 and a half K assignment fee. I had to double close it. Once everything was settled, I had like around like 128 grand in my account. $128,000. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, man. What was, was, I mean, what was the motivation of the seller? Like why, why were they, they started out at 689. They ended up at 440. I mean, they must've had to sell this for some reason. I think the agent told me that they inherited it and they hadn't managed that thing in forever. Like they hadn't raised their rents in forever. They were just looking at cash out and go. And I think they had a mortgage on it too, like a small one. And Brent, I got to tell you, man, like since I first started in TTP, I always pictured myself getting on this show and I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that I never quit, bro, because I would have missed out on 128 grand. <laughs> yeah, you did it. I mean, well, that and that it's really building the relationship with that agent. You know what I mean? You didn't spend a ton of money. That's that's net to you. 128 net to you because you have that relationship because you built it with that agent. You know what I, I mean? Did the agent know how much you made? How much he made? How much you made? Oh, he knew. He knew. And so let me talk about that a little bit. I don't know if maybe like I should have split more of the fee with him. It was my first agent deal. Yeah. So I don't know. But before we close, I did tell him like, hey, I'm going to make this amount. So I think a little bit of credit to me there. I don't know. Do you think I should have like given him more money? I did pay him an extra percent on my side. Yeah. Listen, he was doing his job. You know what I mean? So if you set up front, if you set up, you know, how these deals are going to be split up front. If they want 3% or if they want whatever, 50% of the deal, it just depends on how you structure it, right? You know, yeah. you have some agents that are like, hey, listen, I'll bring you these deals, but we have to split the whatever the profits are 50-50. Then you have a, a, other agents that are like, let me just go out there. I'll find these deals for you. You guarantee my 3%. Great. I'm good with that. So it just depends yeah. on the relationship. Just depends on what they're looking. What I will say is, uh, you can take it all the way up to fifty percent, no problem, and keep those relationships for sure. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good, good learning lesson. Then another uh, learning lesson was for sure: if your assignment fee is that big, like just double close it. Yeah, I don't think you want to risk running into problems at at the closing table. And a, and a double close for everybody out there is you're, you're not just assigning your right to purchase the property like a traditional wholesale. What you're doing is you're actually buying the property and then selling it in the same exact day, sometimes the exact same hour 
Um, and it just makes it so that you are the, you have to put together two contracts. You have to put the, uh, the contract between you and the seller and then also you and uh, your end buyer, but you become the seller on the second contract. If you need any kind of instruction on that, check out the Brent Daniels YouTube channel for sure. Uh, Cause we break it down there and uh, make it pretty easy to understand, but congratulations, Robin. What's the big goal? What do you want to do in this business? That's, that's a tough one to answer, Brent, because I sit down, you know, almost every day I, you know, do my morning routine. I meditate a little bit and I always try to ask myself, what is it that I actually want? And I haven't completely figured it out yet. I know I definitely want to have some more time freedom. I definitely want to retire my parents. And almost most importantly is I want to be doing something that is impactful and fun at the same time. I'm, I'm all about like trying to have fun and trying to make everything fun <laughs> because, you know, if I'm going to work, uh, let's try to at least have some fun. Right. Yep. Um, so I don't know what it is yet, man. I definitely want to get buy some rentals for sure. I want to, you know, build some businesses and I want to meet incredible people. That's another, definitely one of my, my goals is be on podcasts, be on more podcasts like this. Yeah. Talking with people that are, that are amazing. So something like that. I don't know yet. Well, people are certainly going to want to talk to you. How do they get a hold of you? So, can I give out one of my my Google Voice number? That is always an option. It's an option that usually is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of uh, gets a lot of attention. So you certainly can, sure. or you can give out your IG, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So um, it, my my Google Voice number is seven eight six five zero five two five eight one. One more time. Seven eight six five zero five two five eight one. Awesome. Guys, reach out to Robin, especially if you're in Florida, especially if you're in Miami to squad up. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and anybody reach out, tell them congratulations and squad up with Robin and really get connected. Cause like he was saying, you know, in the beginning you've got, you know, if you try to do this all by yourself, if you stay in that Island all by yourself, you're going to get pulled in every single different direction. So, you know, Robin already went through that and to avoid that reach out and build a relationship with Robin so that you guys can squad up so you can avoid that. And uh, as long as you're proactive, Robin doesn't want to hang out with anybody that's not out there picking up the phone and being brave. So awesome, Robin. Thank you so much for, for being on here. Before you sign off here, give some advice on anybody that's starting out. What do you think that they should do first? Man, I wrote down notes on how to answer this question because I knew you were going to ask me this. But there's so many things, man. Like, if First of all, let's consider that the fact that you know that whole thing is what you want to do. Like I said before, go to someone that's already done it. Yep. Find a way to bring them value. Lead with the value first because, you're again, you're going to wake up some days. You're going to be like, damn, like I'm not making any money. you got to go to someone that's already been there, right? Because yep. they're going to know – they're going to give you – they're going to help you see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I think if I just had to pick one thing, I know we're super out of time. Um, it's just find that one person that, um, that's been there before and, and, and bring them value. Bring them value. And then another thing real quick. Read – Read How to Win Friends and Influence People and then read The Miracle Morning. I've been, that's changed my life, my morning routine. That's helped me a lot. And make sure you, you implement staying grateful. That's helped me out a lot. And that helps me get the right energy and the right mindset to get on the phones. Because if I'm grateful, that translates into to the conversations that I'm having. 
I'm not, I'm not always leaning over trying to take something. Yep. Right. I'm in the more of like in the state, like, Hey, like I'm here to help you. And if you can help me, that's great. But you got to be grateful first. You got to be happy with where you are. So that's it. Well, and gratitude uh, destroys fear and anxiety. So uh, I love it, Robin. Thank you so much for being on here. Congratulations. 15 deals down over a a six figure, $128,000 deal. Absolutely incredible. Truly a $140,000 deal. Truly incredible. Keep it up. You're doing amazing things and in one of the toughest markets. And you figure that out. You are set. You are absolutely set. So thanks for being on here, Robin. You are incredible. And uh, that's it, guys. Um, a couple little resources there. There is a seven levels why. You can Google this. And I think it's a really important exercise to go through. And it's basically you write the goal of what you have, and then you go seven layers deep on what. why do you actually want to accomplish that goal. And if you actually do want to accomplish that goal. It really puts things in in perspective and it really helps out. We all go through it in the Rhino Tribe uh, mentorship program. And if you're interested in that, go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. That's wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. Check out what it's all about. Check out all the incredible people that are part of the community. And uh, if it feels good in your gut, sign up for a call. We look forward to working with you personally. And that is it. Thank you for joining us again, Rhino Tribe, Rhino Nation. Thank you for being on here. We love you. And I sign off as I always do, encouraging you to go out there and talk to people. Till next time. Love you guys. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.